Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am privileged to be in conversation with a creative entrepreneur and the CEO of The Break Media, which is based in Baltimore. For the past 25 years, he doesn't look a day over 25, he's been active in choreography, marketing, branding, and creative direction in the media industry of Baltimore. Please welcome Larry Cottle. Welcome to the podcast. What up? What up, y'all? What up, the world? Man, Rob, what up? Larry, what up? <laughs> yeah, look, I thought, real talk, I thought this was Rod Lee. I'm like, how my homeboy trying to interview me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, y'all got to meet, bro. Y'all the same height. Y'all got the same first initial, last yeah. initial. Like, come on. It's, no, like, it's, it's, it's legit. Y'all probably family. Let it's me gonna, find out you had son and shit. Let me find it's, out. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> so oh, okay. again, I want to thank you for for coming onto the podcast and you know giving that really sort of cut and paste intro. And I and I had to trim out because you've done a lot more. You've done a lot within the industry over you know two and a half decades at this point. So if you will. Could you either do it one one or two ways? Because some people find it to be very sketchy. I don't like talking about myself. And some people are like, I can talk about myself for hours. Can you share with us the Larry What Up story? Tell us, you know, really, how'd you get started? Where'd you grow up? Creative background? And um, right. yeah, things of that nature. Gotcha. So um, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. And my mom ran away from my dad down there in the South. You know, my pops used to drink real bad and it wasn't a good situation. My mom came to Baltimore. I was about two years old. When we came here, we migrated over at um, West Baltimore, like Mount Street in that area. And I think we stayed down there for about six months and then she moved to Hollander Ridge. And I lived in Hollander Ridge (laughs) for almost 17 years. So during the time I was Hollander Ridge, like, my God-given talent is dance, right? Mm-hmm. God gave me that. He said, bam, that's yours, right? Um, every day, I used to just be in my room, listening to music and dancing, just in my room, just kind of staying to myself. I would go to the gyms every now and then, but anybody that knew me, they knew that music was my call in some way, some facet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just just kept doing it, got caught up in it so much. I had a friend of mine, probably like, so 97, they asked me, did I ever choreograph for a group? And I lied. <laughs> I lied and said, yeah. And um, I got the job, started choreographing and, you know, choreographing for groups. And I eventually, like, just kept kept doing it. And I became, like, the go-to guy because I was really consistent. And I re- people could see that I really loved what I was doing. And um, I think I did that. I did choreography. Of, uh, man, I worked with Paula Campbell, Rodley, Bossman, Tim Trees, Davon, uh, T. Savage, King Lowe's. I mean, the list goes on. But I really, I felt like during that time, everybody else, people wanted to be rappers, DJs, um, producers. I said, you know what? Let me be a dancer, right? Wasn't It wasn't a cool thing, right? And, you know, I ended up, you know, like really sticking to dance. And it wasn't until I got like in high school, I went to Lake Clifton Eastern High School. It wasn't until I got in high school that I'm like, dang, yo, I really, this like dance is for me. Like this is my thing. And I used to just, every Friday, I used to go to Paradox, listening to the, you know, club music, going down to the clubs and battling. I was the guy that battled. People would put money on me to battle other guys. You know what I'm saying? 
And then I got to a point where I started choreographing. I'm like, I don't need that battle world no more. I respect it. And I kind of like, once I stepped my foot into the creative direction um, space, it just kept opening up. You know what I'm saying? The opportunities yeah. just kept opening up uh, groups, um, other situations, fashion shows. Um, I mean, the list goes on, man. I just, I've, I've been consistently working. I've yeah. turned 44 this year. I've been consistently working since I was 15. Wow. Wow. Don't look 44. But the same uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I like it. I like where uh, when you're taking a talent that you have and stretching it to go into these other pockets that connect to it. Like it, it makes sense to me where it's like, I got in here through choreography and my love of dance. That's, that's what I'm hearing and being able to, you know, segue that into, I know what the scene looks like. I have the connections and you know, it's kind of some overlap. That's, that's kind of what I'm doing and making yeah. some of these connections. And, yeah. you know, I, I admire that. And so I, I want to, you know, have you tell us about um, the break media and even uh, more than hype. Share, give us, give us the, give us the tea okay. as it were. Uh, so what was happening? I started finding out like artists, they wanted it. Right. But they didn't understand how this business worked. Right. So as I was out on the, on the road, like I, my last artist that I worked for was King Los. And currently I have over 125 shows under my belt on stage as his hype man, off stage as his road manager. While I was out on, on, on the road, I accumulated those relationships, I stacked them up and I came back home. When I came back here, I was, I was looking around, I'm like, you know, there's no outlet, there's no resources for guys to, that wanna go on tours, you know what I'm saying? That wanna get big features from, you know, other artists that, that are mainstream artists. Uh, Marketing. I mean, the, the the biggest thing, marketing, wasn't nobody really doing marketing how it's supposed to be. So I decided, I said, you know what? I had these these four things that I stand by. Build, brand, become, right? So after you build, you brand, you become, then you break. And that's how the break agency came about. I wanted to be, like, I, I, I strategically mapped it out like Rock Nation. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like the rock, the break. But my my formula was you come over to the break agency, we build you, we brand you, you become, then you break. Right. Yeah. And the philosophy is, no, I don't work with everybody. I work with people ready to go to the pros. So yeah. my philosophy, if you in if you're in your senior year, come 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 holler at me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I started the break in 2017. Um, I had a, I started it with about five other people. And you know, when you, when people don't see your vision, it's kind of division, not, not saying it's not a great thing, yeah. but we had yeah. to, we came together and we had to come apart and I had to really get a focus and kind of see what it is that I was really trying to do. Yeah. And I decided, I said, you know, well, well the, since I was already doing marketing and management, I started finding a love for the camera as I was going around doing the work for the artists. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I started loving it. I mean, I was already working behind the scenes with, um, I think one of my first media jobs was uh, Step Up to the Streets, right? And I had a really, really good part on that. And I was able to like hire a bunch of extras, get my friends, you know, in, in the movies, get my friends paid for using their houses and different stuff. 
So that was one of my first experiences. That was in 08. And ever since then, I kind of had a loving for like that behind the scenes, the creating things. And it wasn't until 2017 when I started the break, I decided, I said, you know what? At this, this, in the same year, I started a break. I had my first child and then I birthed another child, which was more than hype. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was on tour, people would come off, come up to me and was like, man, you're the dopest hype man alive. <laughs> and I would just be like, thank you. I was very humble. But when I look at myself in retrospect, I would take a shot of Ciroc, <laughs> pray, and then go on the stage and we kill it. But at the same time, this dude like, yo, you're the same guy that was handling the business this morning. Mm-hmm. You're the same guy to make sure that he got to his interviews. I said, yeah, that's what I do. And yeah. um, when they when when the guy told me, he was like, yo, you're the dopest hype man alive. I love that. But I was like, you know what? It's more to hype. It's more mm-hmm. than hype. You know what I mean? And what I meant by the more, it's the, those things that I'm telling you about. The stage management, road management, the creative direction. You know what I mean? I've always been that person. But when I stepped out in that road management um, hype man world, I kind of like, I put those things in a box. You know what I mean? So the break media was my way of allowing me to do any and everything I want to do creatively. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. That's great. Cause um, I think one of the things that you touched on and I go back to episode one, the first podcast that I did, and I was, you know, talking with James nasty and was just talking about like how, you know, some creators just don't have their stuff together. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is just, hey, I'm rather than make some money and you're not reading your contracts or just you're doing everything and you just right. don't have the time. But what you're describing is when someone is ready and I like the way you put it, like you're about to go to the pros. Yeah, you should come holler at me because come I can, can help with that structure. I can help with mm-hmm. some of those things because, you know, I think they're are a few things I think you identified there was a need, you know, like yeah. not too many yeah. people are doing it. Not too many people know what they're doing. And there's a lot of, uh, finessers out here and people are very, yeah. you know, apprehensive, apprehensive. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're already putting your work out there. You don't want to like, not like the work and you know how artists are. I don't, I don't really deal with business. And yeah. it's like hard to find someone that's like, they know what they're doing. They want to do it. Because you got some mm-hmm. people, you know, I go to Shook Knight and you're on the back of the videos and all. You have that, <laughs> you have that energy. And, you know, not everybody is good with that. Like, I think what, what you did in, in, in bringing out the break um, agency is kind of identifying, like, what you're good at, what you're interested in, and how can you serve other people? That's what I'm mm-hmm. yep. And Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, like some people, like I know, for instance, I'm a big picture thinker. So if I'm bringing mm-hmm. on and collaborating with someone, who can do the details? I need to ID. Right. I need to put out those ideas. Right, right. And so with you know the signs you see in the back, you know unruly, unruly. Yeah. Um, in 08, uh, I was taken over to Unruly Records by K Swift and uh, Quicksilver to get a job for Unruly. Of course, we know uh, some months. Actually, I came over in 07. A year later, she passed away. When she passed away, uh, Sean Caesar, my homie, big homie, Scotty B, they had to let everybody go, yeah. right? And during the interim, I would get these downloads from, you know, from her. Like, my mom and Sean shouldn't be angry with each other. Like, the world needs to know this music. Like, keep it going, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't stop. And 
I started getting on Sean's nerves. Like I, we were to the point where we didn't speak. Like right. we was not, we, we, like it was that type of situation. And I just said, you know what, I'm gonna be the bigger guy. And I broke the ice and I started getting on his nerves, kept calling him, calling him, calling him. I said, look, bro, we gotta start unruly again. And before we even stepped foot in a location, we met a whole year behind the scenes. Before we spent any money, stepped foot in the location, we met every week, a year behind the scenes, basically coming up with the game plan, what it is that we want to do. And, you know, for me, when you're doing something by yourself, that's like, all right, yo, you can make the moves, you can do it at your speed, at your time. But I learned with, with these guys, because they my OGs, they love me dearly, sometimes you do have to be patient. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Especially when... I can see if this is the first time you're stepping out there, right? But this is legacy this time for Unruly. You know what I'm saying? So, but I played a, a position as a product manager over here, also at Unruly, right? Yes. Yeah. So what I did was strategically, I said, if I'm gonna be over here as the product manager, who's 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 media, who's who's videotaping, who's who's taking pictures for the unruly artists, yeah, the break media. So the break is a subsidiary of unruly records. Nice. Nice. I'm partners with Sean Caesar with the Break Media. I love it. So that makes yeah, sense. So I, I, yeah, I wanted to make it make sense, man. No, I love you know it. I mean? My understanding is in you know being around and being more involved in conversations with folks in media and having an interest in, in the industry, obviously. You know, there it's about relationships. It's about quote unquote professionalism or what have you. And I put a quote unquote on that because uh, professionalism is a weird term. Uh, yeah. What What is your definition of professionalism, and how do you feel that that your perspective? You know, we're, we're you're, you're Baltimore. We're, we're in the same place. Uh, how do you I'm feel that, that your perspective is considered in the larger idea of professionalism? I feel like, you know, that's cool that we to talk about this. I had a situation um, some months ago. I was doing some services for uh, a group of people. Mm-hmm. They brought a new client to the table. When the client first saw me, I was clean cut. I mean, you could throw me in GQ magazine, right? Yeah. The second time, the second time she seen me, I looked like Jesus just getting off the cross, right? <laughs> yeah. She was cool with the GQ dude, but she had a problem with the Jesus just getting off the cross person. Mm-hmm. I'm the same spirit. I get the same stuff done. It shouldn't it shouldn't matter about what I look like, especially being an artist. It shouldn't matter about what I look like. I'm not just an artist. I'm an artist that gets stuff done. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I make things happen for not just myself, other people. And a lot of times people prejudge and they don't get, they don't allow themselves the space to get to the next level or the next step because they looking at what you look like. Mm-hmm. What, what about the people that if, if I can, if I can give you a book and tell you all the people that I'd impacted, my impact should weigh more than what I look like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of, I, I mean, that, that, that situation kind of, it hit me a little bit, but uh, you know, it also put me on point because guess what? I'm getting honored at uh, black people um, rock honors this Sunday. I'm not going in there looking like Jesus. <laughs> big right. shout to, you know, big shout out to my designer, you know what I'm saying? Mr. Schaefer, he got me lit. I'm going to be, you know, I got a nice tuxedo. I just came from, you know, Schaefer's earlier getting a nice suit. But you got to know when to wear the mask, when to take the mask off. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, 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 when you're a creator and you in your space, in your box, 
the last thing you worrying about is what I look like. You worrying about what that what that production look like, what that painting look like, what that you can give a hell what you look like. Yeah, because I mean, you put all of you into that that piece. You putting all of you into that that body of work. What am I worrying about? I mean, think about it. as an artist. I'm not going to the the, the barbershop four times a month to get a shape up. That's one hundred and twenty dollars that I could have <laughs> put into my art. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I get you. I'm gonna I get go you. Where I need to go. I like. Shoot. I um. I had this idea of like the uh, the art guy uniform of my partner, my girl. She always says like, "I'm waiting for your glasses to get tiny, and your scarf to get bigger." I was like, "Shut up!" And I was like, "Yo, all I'm gonna wear is like black Carhartt t-shirts and like Doc that's Martens." It. I was like, "That's just that's whatever simplifies it." And but yeah, I, I think it's it's a vibe. And I've gone to some of these places, and I think it's really interesting. You touch on it where I, I'm not going to name it because, you know, but and I'll tell you off mic, but I went to a, a function recently and it was more window dressing than actually substance. Everyone was so conscious mm. about what they look like. And what did I wear? Exactly what I just described. I had a Carhartt pullover on, black jeans and black Doc mm-hmm. Martens. I was there to do my networking and keep it rolling. Other people right. wearing their pastel suits, the huge hats. And I'm like, Yo, I'm sure your work is terrible. I'm sure right. <laughs> I'm sure you don't do anything good. And right. you know, I think if you're able to to your point, I think you're you had you said it very well. It's like, you know, know when to do this, you know, like if you're going to a function, you know, maybe you do wear that, maybe you do consider the tuxedo, especially if you're being honored for something. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. people are a little too cool and it's like, right. like know what you're doing. Yeah. Know what you're doing. Like I, I literally today I just came from Chris Schaefer's. My he man. got me right. Shout to Thea. They got me right. I got to I'm gonna be icy on Sunday. You I, I was I was there for the opening of the new space or what have you. And uh ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. interviewed Chris. Chris is my guy. Chris is my guy. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I literally just came from there about a couple hours ago. I'm gonna ask him, you got any extra extra large curtains so I can get some get myself a suit for <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that place is nice. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say, you know, as far as you, because I like obviously you got talent, obviously you you go about things, you get a lot done. Um, what do you say contributed to some of the connections, some of that longevity? Because I mean, two and a half decades is a long time. And you know, people look at me crazy when I say I've been podcasting for 14 years. And I was like, Yeah, but mm-hmm. really publicly, it's been it's right. been three, you know. So what do you attribute to that longevity and the the way that you make these connections? I just be me going in, and I'm me. I'm, I'm me the entire time. I'm me right now. Like I, the the one thing that I'm learning how to do is kind of control my temper. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm a lion. I'm a Leo. You know what I mean? I, I'm real passive at first, but when I feel like people is taking advantage or taking advantage of people that I care for or have a liking for. Then I'm a different person, but um, it's just been me a hundred percent. You gonna either love me or hate me. The people that love me, they love me. The people yeah. that don't like me, they don't like me. They don't come around me. So, but I don't even know if it's that many people. I'm, I've never like I've always been little Larry. Larry, what up? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like Larry, what up? Came from you know, Larry, what up? Like what you got going on? Yeah, I've been I've been having stuff going on for 25 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and that's just basically what it is. And then I don't burn no bridges. Even if I get into an argument with somebody, I let the air breathe. And then me, I go back and reconcile. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Because sometimes you might have to take yourself out of the situation to see not who's at fault, but see where each other didn't feel comfortable with. Because it's not about a fault. It's about how did you make that person feel? How that person make you feel? Because we always say, oh, wrong or right. No, it's no wrong or right. It's about the feeling. If you mm-hmm. take out wrong or right, it's about a feeling. And that's just what it is. I, I want to I leave that lasting impression on people, that feeling of people know I'm sincerely. I, I love people sincerely and I want to help people sincerely. So when you guys, I'm a rare, you know what I mean? I'm a rare card in the deck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I could have left Baltimore many years ago and went on to different places, but I feel like if I, if everybody keep leaving, then we're never going to be ach- to be able to achieve what we're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. I'm an Aquarius, so I mean, we're, we're supposed to be on the opposite sides of this whole My situation. Mom. But yep. yeah, yeah. When your birth? When your birthday? January twentieth. So I'm yeah, on my mom's was. Uh, my mom's was February seventh. Nice. Yeah. One of one of the things that I, I I think like, and I'm on the same page where I I control it. People always talk about, oh, you're so patient. I was like, yo, some of the emails that are in person, like you've seen me in person, right? Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a much different than, hey, you like a little guy. People think I'm short. You know, people think I'm a little dude. Nah, they- right? No, nah, you a giant, <laughs> brother. You so, a giant. So yeah. when it's when it's like, yo, like. I, you know, you want to be able to connect with people. You want to be able to help you. I feel that that same vibe where, you know, I see like younger people. I'm like, all right, you can do this. I can see it. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe I can provide maybe some direction or make an introduction. That's naturally what I do. That's like, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then some people, they don't, they don't do business right. And I'm like, all right, I'll give them a pass. Like you might be young. You might be this, you might be that. But patience is a thing. And, you know, like you said, you know, it's a rarity there. Like, it, I'm going to quote something that's so pretentious and so ridiculous, but it's going to resonate. There's a quote from Hannibal, the TV show. Okay. I've okay. Re- I, I learned in doing the research that I share a birthday with this fictional Hannibal Lecter character. And mm. he said that friendship is a rare gift. Mm, it uh-huh. is. And and it that's is. the thing. That's the thing that, that people aren't getting. And I think it ties into the connections. It's like, you know, I've had some people who's like, yeah, can you buy some art for me? Sure, I'll buy some prints. And then I'm still waiting for those prints. It's been months. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's not it's not just can you buy some prints from me? Yeah, it's I'll buy you prints and then it has to reciprocate. I'm not just going to buy prints from you. Yeah. And then every time you got prints, you want me to buy prints. But I got prints. I got sleeves. I got shoulders. And yeah. you haven't massaged one or nothing or bought nothing. And, That's and why it's, it's, it's that it's the it's that the reciprocal nature, but also it's the what's the buy in? Like right. I ask people all the time, like I got shirts, I got merch, I got events that mm-hmm. I do pull up. You know, some of these events are just exactly. free and exactly. it's like that buy in and that being a part of it. And and I and I like what you said earlier about there's so many opportunities like that might be outside. And I'm not knocking anybody who leaves. But to your mm-hmm. point, I think if everyone is leaving, then how do we really grow it here? Because there's a lot of talent that's here that it's super real. It's it's not fake. And we figure out to do so much with minimal, with the mm-hmm. bare minimum. The bare. Yeah. Rob, think about this. Yeah. I filmed this film with me and another person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I work yeah. on movie sets. It's 120 people. Yeah. Sometimes... In a daytime, depending on what they're shooting, it's three, four hundred people. This podcast is me and uh, my producer, 
That's it. That's literally it. So he's handling the editing, everything else I'm doing with some support from like, I got like a freelancer I'm working with. Right. And when you look at like, there is like, you know, for podcast productions, right. You know, it's kind of the same thing. It's not as, it's not as many as 120, but still the point right. lies is that, Oh, you only had three people on your team. Yes. Because we're used right. to being able to make magic happen with nothing. Nothing. Exactly. And people were not, you know, when you go to the website, you know, as I got one year, two years, three years down the line, I started picking up people and bringing people on. But I'm talking about that process of you want to do this? Let's yeah. do this. How are we going to do this? Was nobody. I looked left and right. It was one person. And he wasn't right. he wasn't my color. Right. He wasn't he wasn't black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he believed in me. And we got out there and we rocked out and. You know what I'm saying? It took me about five years. I sat down with like 55 different people when it comes to the More Than Hype film. Yeah. But um, my vision for the More Than Hype film is Baltimore's, you know, the first one, More Than Hype Baltimore. Then I'm going to do a More Than Hype jersey, and then I'm going to do a More Than Hype Philly. Nice. And basically, I'm going to follow where the music went at. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I like that. And then anything after that, you know what I'm saying, it's going to be special. It's like I'm going to you know, work on the uh, K-Swift story, and then I'm going to do a whole Unruly story. But it makes sense because I'm in the loop with the team. It's not like they got to go outside and find somebody to shoot it. I am the media t company for the, the team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That way we don't have to worry about vice or somebody over in UK trying to tell our story and they're not being authentic with the story. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. They just, they going to get the cool kids that really don't have no substance. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, yeah. That, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Uh, so I got one more real question before I get to those rapid fire questions for you. Um, I want to, I want to get a sense on how you discover new media and trends. Like, you know, obviously a lot of us are on the, the socials, uh, you know, are you getting it through blogs? Are you getting it through algorithms? Are you getting it from a trusted friend? Like people handing over new music, like check this out or check this movie out or what have you. I do. I do get a lot of, um, a lot of inboxes, you know what I'm saying? Check out this music. Um, you know, check out this blog. I mean, shout out to Fathom, got the juice I keep up with my guy, you know what I'm saying, on that tip. But I was I was one of those guys at first that I, I, I know the outlet. So I, I literally can go. Like, um, back in 2011, I started this this um, website called DMV Jams. Mm -hmm. And it was about five or six other guys. And it was basically the like a world star of the DMV, right? I was the marketing person behind that. I was the person generating the content. So like, I know all the websites to go to, I know everywhere to go. But just recently, man, I kind of been, um, just kind of bottled up in Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like just kind of focusing on things from Baltimore. Yeah. Like keeping really scaled down to Baltimore. Like I don't, I don't really care much about nobody else but Baltimore. I think I think that's the, the that's the best way to that's the best spot to stop at. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Isolate all of that. Uh, so so with that, I want to I want to delve into some rapid fire questions real quick. Um, okay. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. But you know, there the questions are all over the place. I want to start off with um, I got four of them for you. Uh, two of them okay. food related. Uh, what is your go to snack? Like, what snack are you usually having? Um, my go-to right now is fried cauliflower. Um, I'm 97% vegan. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm a great kick fish and then I'm done. But I, I do a um, buffalo cauliflower. That's my go-to. 
That, that that's yeah. that I, I like the I like the buffalo cauliflower. I like the uh even um what is it? Like the like the 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 pan roasted or pan fried um Brussels. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, those are yes. fire. They're my two. That you just you're in yeah. my brain. They're my two. That's like my I eat that all the time. Like that's like the every other day thing. JBGB's <laughs> has a really good version of that. Um the cauliflower joint. It's super spicy. Who do? JBGB's over there on uh, Howard Street. Okay, I'm gonna have to check them out. Cross yeah. Cross Model Bar. Um, okay. Are you more of a breakfast guy or are you a dinner guy? And if whatever one it is, what do you generally have for whatever that meal might look like? Um, lately, I haven't really been eating breakfast. Um, I'm more of a lunch, brunch in the middle <laughs> of the daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that meal usually in the last six months or three months, it's been a lot of uh, falafel and fries. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. When are you most productive? Like when you're working on something, like is it, you know, during the winter, you're super productive because like people ain't going outside? Is it like, hey, in the morning, I'm always getting most of my work done? Like that's the kind of cadence you have. When are you most productive? I think the seasons don't really matter to me because I'm so disciplined. Sure. Um, but I think my best time is anywhere between 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. Okay. So like I'm I'm up. 10 a.m. I'm up by nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. By 10 a.m. I'm in the office, and I usually stay in here for about 12 hours a day. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, figure figure this right. If we can go put eight hours into other people's jobs, like this is my business. Why wouldn't yeah. I be in here 12? If I could do 24, I'd be in here 24. Yeah. If I could live upstairs, I would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how the agents do. But Me. you know what I mean? So. This is why yeah. I have my home studio. This is, you know, I'm, I'm exactly. always, you know, there, there are times like I've interviewed um, a few people who are in the UK, a few people who are in Japan, like, you know, they've lived here and then they did a, a year abroad in Japan. And those time mm-hmm. differences are there. And it's like, all right, let me just yeah. tap back in versus let me go to the studio and making that investment studio, right. into the stuff that I have here to, you know, put together right. some good audio. So yep. this is the last question I got for you. And I'm looking for okay. a ridi- I'm looking for a ridiculous answer. I'm just letting you know. I'm letting you know. <laughs> okay. What would be the name of your autobiography? What happened to that boy? <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. They're gonna be like, "What happened to that boy? That boy was supposed to be nothing. What happened to him? He, he did the what?" He done That's shot with Ron Lee. And Ron <laughs> <laughs> so there, so yeah. there, there it is. There it is. Um, that sounds great. Um, so I, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. This has been a treat. It's been great. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where to check you out, where to check out the break, where to check out more than hype, all of this stuff. Shameless plug time. The floor is yours. Already, y'all already know what it is. It's your boy, Light. What up? I'm live from the break room on Ruli Studios. You can follow me on IG, Light. What up? Twitter, Light. What up? Or you can follow the company, The Break Media, T H E B R, the number eight, E A K dot com. That's the website. And if you want to follow and keep turned in what's going on with More Than Hype, it's more than hypefilm.com. All the information on that, pictures. Little promo, all that good stuff, information about the team. 
And if once again, follow the team. I'm really, you see the three faces back there. You know what I mean? Already, man. Your boy, like, what up? We in here. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Larry Cottle. Larry, what up for coming on to the podcast? And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, big C on culture. You just got to look for it. Oh,